here we are. Uh, something a little different this week for you guys. I think this is actually the first time I've ever done this for a Survivor podcast, so bear with me. Just me here this week. Yep, everyone is pumped to hear that news. Uh, if you are mostly into this podcast for either the British accents or Dom owning me, you might have a bad time this week, and I fully understand if anyone decides, eh, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a pass. But we are a little over 30 hours out, I guess, uh, at this point from the Survivor 42 finale, and did think it would be pertinent to come in here and just get some final thoughts out there for anyone who would be interested in that sort of thing. Uh, so... Let's do that. Uh, I guess the place to start, I'm, I'm kind of playing this fast and loose this week, even more so than usual, uh, just trying to figure out the way to even really structure this. I guess let's just start with what happened in the most recent episode, and then we'll talk through the remaining candidates as we enter this finale. Uh, so let's begin with just... Spoiler alert, uh, by the way, we're about to dive into everything that happened in last week's episode of Survivor. So if you haven't seen that, now would be the time to tune out as well. Uh, let's just dive in on losing Omer. Uh, one of the more shocking results, not only of this season, but of any recent season, as far as I was concerned. Uh, I was definitely a person who thought, you know, a, a finale preview podcast would probably heavily features some Omer discussion being among the front runners, if not the standout front runner. And I was shocked uh, this past Wednesday night to see him meet his end here without even making it to the finale, but an incredible player. As far as I would be concerned, amazing character. And I love, frankly, despite being upset about, not getting to see Omar, Omer, excuse me, in there, uh, in the true kind of end game, potentially facing a jury, potentially winning, to have my expectations that high and then have them dashed is something I have been waiting a long, long, long time for just as a Survivor fan. And I know it's not like Omer is the first ever case of this, and we certainly had Shan last season uh, is an example that comes to mind of people who do get a ton of content and look really good and look like they could be heavy front runners to win, not even make it to the finale. But it feels to me like we spent a, a couple of decades, frankly, in the very heavy handed kind of editing of Survivor Seasons era. And I absolutely love that we are entering a much more a much more balanced world these days and I promise uh <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm talking a lot about the edit I truly have never been less confident in my ability or anyone's ability to make virtually anything uh as far as like deductive conclusions are concerned based on the edit and that's exactly where I want to be I love you know, knowing going into season 43, as great as someone may look, that is by no means uh, a reason to pencil them into the finale or final travel council or whatever. I think these last couple of seasons, frankly, have done the survivor world in general an enormous favor along those lines. And in the case of Omer in particular, not only from an editing perspective, but for many, many different reasons. I feel like Omer did the survivor world a lot of favors. This guy brought it in pretty much every conceivable department that one could be bringing it to a survivor season. So I uh, loved having him here and hearing as much as we got to from him while he was still in the game and would certainly be on board with uh, Omer 2.0, being in the mix for whenever a uh, returnee season ends up coming around. Uh, it really seemed, at least to me, 
like this is a person who first and foremost of course knew a ton about the game cared very deeply about winning the game seemed to have his finger on the pulse of pretty much everything that was going on from day one up until maybe the day before day of his elimination and it really just came down to you know even for someone who like omer seemed to be on their toes 24 7 he just underestimated the wrong person at the wrong time and that's an easy way to lose a game of survivor there and to be fair to be fair the same can probably be said about tons of people from the scope of survivor history who really were out there crushing it up until the day things all finally went wrong because of one oversight and they just didn't get the same kind of narrative treatment that Omer did because they played on seasons that were edited in much worse ways as far as I would be concerned, uh, but loved virtually every single thing that we got to see from Omer this season. Uh, and I actually, uh, I know people love it when I do this. Here's a tweet I tweeted recently uh, along these lines in case anyone missed it and wants to go back and fave or retweet or whatever. I know a lot of people are eager for that opportunity. Uh, one of the greatest testaments to Omer's game, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that the amazing like historically good wardrobe that he's had in the form of that emu shirt has gone almost entirely unmentioned for the last i don't know month month and a half or so and to be able to overcome just how aggressively awesome that shirt is and kind of let your game diminish for lack of a better word such a notable thing uh, i i feel like it really speaks volumes about just how much omer was bringing to the table here so on one hand totally heartbroken to see omer end up leaving here on the other hand very excited about what that means for just the future of how stories are told on survivor and feeling like we can get a much, much more balanced edit in the future. And obviously this is not specific to Omer this season in general. I think that has been one of the biggest wins for me, no matter how it ends up going is the care and balance that has gone into making this one of the most evenly divided seasons. One of the most, I uh, unpredictable seasons as far as what people's stories mean and how they're presented on air in terms of what their final result is going to be. I'm going into a finale yet again where I feel like I have several different people squarely in the winner mix and that is one of the only things I ask of any season of Survivor. So I uh, again sad to see Omer go but I think we certainly got way more out of Omer than we tend to from people in a similar mold on Survivor Seasons historically. So love that he got this opportunity to shine and would further love to see Omer back someday. Although I will say, and this is again not specific to Omer, uh, if he were to come back, I think Omer along with Drea, who we talked about uh, as a potential returnee, I think the same could be said about High. If I were any one of those people, and probably others on this cast who are in the returnee mix that are just not immediately coming to mind for me because they weren't main characters over these last three weeks, I think I would be rooting for them to have as much time pass as possible between now and whenever they go back on the show, just because in all three of those cases, at least, it seems like the cat is very much out of the bag as far as Omer, Drea, High, potentially some others being pretty kind of like overt schemers who are very, very charming, but are clearly also very, very self-interested uh, and will do just about whatever it takes to win Survivor on their first try, let alone on uh, their shot at redemption should that day ever come. So 
uh, early call, way, way, way too early call on any of those three is I feel like they may not actually be in an excellent position as returnees if it happens sometime soon, just because I feel like they would be largely remembered as big time gamers. And I, I think the same could be said about like Shan from last season or potentially Ricard from last season as well. Uh, although in rolling through just some of these names that I feel like fit into this category, I think I probably do feel better about Omer being able to overcome that kind of potential stigma than I would about anyone else who is at least immediately coming to mind for me along those lines. So the more I think about it, could Omer be the new Sari? I don't know. I'm not. People are asking. I'm not the one saying it. So start the dialogue there. Uh, anything else on Omer? I th- I'm guessing that Omer will be someone who will be an interesting juror, although I'm not sure what that is necessarily going to mean specifically, but I could see him at least being very engaged and potentially having a lot of influence along those lines. And I guess final thought for me on Omer, uh, big time shout out to myself for not bombarding all of you all season long with the wire references as things pertain to Omer with maybe one or two exceptions, uh, potentially this week. I don't know. Uh, but I'm sure everyone out there is very proud of me and the restraint that I have shown. And that means a lot. So thank you. Uh, all right. Omer now out of the picture. I think let's dive into these five we have remaining in the game. And let's start with the person who it seems like has inherited, inherited, that kind of mantle now as the front runner, at least as far as I've been seeing going into this finale, this is a person who understands you come at the King, you best not miss. Uh, And she came hard at the King and did not miss. Indeed. Uh, It is Marianne seemingly really making uh, a name for herself. These maybe just this one last week, but I feel like we've seen some buildup to it before that. Uh, at least based on my Twitter timeline, seems like the front runner in a lot of people's minds. And furthermore, in just talking to some folks on the street, as I tend to do, a lot of them seem to feel like Marianne is in pretty good shape here. And it's hard to disagree with that. She just pulled off a really well-orchestrated move to take out the biggest power player probably uh, left in the game at that point. She has this idol now for Final Five. And in the event that she does make it to final tribal council, a fantastic both resume game wise and story outside the game wise uh, in terms of potentially swinging some jury votes her direction. So I think it's pretty hard to argue with the idea that Marianne is at the very least in there with a meaningful amount of win equity here if not uh the front runner and certainly would love to live in a world where that ends up happening my thought is though i'm not sure if we as kind of the online survivor super fan community will ever be able to top that i feel like survivor twitter would be very close to a potentially like unsustainable all-time high uh, tomorrow night if Marianne does go on to win. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing or will be unfun in the moment. Uh, I, I, I do just wonder if we will then have to go into every future season saying to ourselves, well, it's probably not going to be the same as Marianne winning 42. We're, we're never going to uh, meet that same standard. Again, this is based on what I'm seeing on my timeline, and I will acknowledge that your timelines may look a bit different. Uh, Larger point here, I guess, that I'm getting at is Marianne winning Survivor not only would potentially be a fantastic outcome for the show and for the superfan community, it could also just be yet another reason that we should all just get off Twitter forever. We're never going to do better than this. Just shut it down ASAP regardless. Uh, So yeah, there's that. Uh, At the same time, 
it certainly should be acknowledged that several people have looked like frontrunners these last few weeks, and all of them are now sitting there on the jury bench. Again, Marianne does have that idol for Final Five, so I have a hard time seeing how she leaves in that situation, but could lose fire, could have some sort of disaster scenario shakeout where she makes it to Final Tribal Council and doesn't end up winning. I don't know what exactly that would look like, but I I remain very open to the possibility that this does not ultimately go Marianne's way. Uh, but if it does, I want to, again, man, am I self-conscious about how much it, it sounds like I'm talking about the edit. I'm not really talking about the edit, uh, but I would so much love to live in a world much like we talked about with Shan last season and Omer moments ago where someone can look like such a strong winner candidate and then not even make it to the finale, which was a pretty few and far between kind of situation for the first couple of decades of survivor. But inversely for someone to be the eventual winner of a season like Marianne potentially in this hypothetical that I'm painting where and this is something, incidentally, that Stephen uh, has talked about as well on Know-It-Alls. To have a person like Marianne, who the editors know, of course, uh, in this hypothetical, again, is the eventual winner of the season. To repeatedly make her look like she's rubbing people the wrong way uh, at various points of the season or just out of the loop strategically is... It's not unprecedented by any stretch, but getting a lot more of that would be one of the most welcome changes I feel like we could ask for as a Survivor superfan community. And just, again, returning to the idea of just a more balanced edit where it's not impossible, but very, very difficult, at least compared to the historic historical heard it both ways standard that was set by the first 40 or so seasons of the edit becoming just a much 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 less reliable indicator of what's going to happen in the future i i truly believe is very near the top of the list of things that we could hope to see in future survivor seasons so no matter how this goes whether marianne wins or loses i I think the same could be said about pretty much anyone uh that is remaining in the game at this point tremendously optimistic about what the editing overall on 42 will hopefully mean for the edit going forward in survivor because i really do think that the two most important things especially in the era that we are currently in of the like criminally bad borderline malicious game design era where the producers are so far off the deep end in so many different ways along those lines a great cast and a well-balanced edit i think are two ways to overcome that like the two most important ways of overcoming that and producing awesome seasons of survivor regardless of how bad the producers try to mess them up uh in terms of structuring the game itself so again no matter how this finale turns out i think i will remain tremendously optimistic along those lines there so uh returning to marianne in particular i at this point have a hard time disagreeing with the idea that she is the front runner. Although again, I, I don't think I would paint her as nearly as much of a borderline lock as it seems like a lot of people are. I, I, I still feel like there are plenty of timelines where we could wind up with a Mike win or a Lindsay win at the very least. Uh, I would probably be surprised if we find ourselves in here talking about Romeo or Jonathan as the next winner, but you truly never know, or at least I hope to live in a world where you truly never know until you see how the finale is played out. Uh, My one regret uh, about a potential Marianne winning timeline 
is that we are presumably going to have the reunion live like on site again like we did last year where Jeff brings out a bunch of pizza and is munching along with everybody else as they're uh, just sitting there just at the final tribal council set talking through whatever went on this season and unlike a traditional kind of live reunion where this sort of thing would be in play I suspect that is going to rob us of the opportunity for Zach to come in and propose to Marianne. I would have loved to see that possibility, at least on the table, if we were doing a standard kind of live reunion. But very understandable why we are not going that route. And I'm willing to forego the Zach and Marianne nuptials. There's something about the word nuptials that nuptials it's uh, anyway it's spelled differently than i always thought it was spelled and is perhaps uh pronounced differently as well and now i'm very self-conscious about that but either way uh rooting hard for those two kids out there and rooting for marianne in particular on finale night uh but if this does not end up going marianne's way let's talk through how else it may end up going down. And I think gun to my head, I would probably have Mike as the number two winner prospect here. Although even now that I'm saying that, and this is potentially something I could have thought about before putting myself in front of a live microphone, I would at least hear arguments for Lindsay being number two instead, but let's begin with Mike just in general, uh, because he up until the last few weeks seemed to, be getting more kind of game centric focus than Lindsay was. Although if memory serves, I I feel like Mike was just in positions where logic would dictate that we would hear more from Mike than Lindsay when Lindsay is off winning so many immunity challenges, especially pre-merge. So I'm going to not read too much into that, but Mike, I feel like, well, Certainly there are holes that can be poked in some of his thought processes along uh, along the way here. This has got to be very, very high on the list, if not like the glaring number one best game ever played by a person over 50 years old. And granted, that is not a very large pool of players from which to be drawing. And I'm sure that if historically they had put more people on who were in that kind of age range. Mike would not be alone. I am not at all saying that people over 50 are trash at survivor by any stretch. They just haven't had the opportunities, but it really seems like Mike for the most part has been doing an excellent ish. (laughs) I don't want to overstate it, but a very, very strong job playing this deeply social game with people who are for the most part right around half his age. Uh, and that is a very underrated, I would say kind of hurdle to have to clear in any game along these lines is uh, that kind of age disparity. And it goes in both directions. I think young people like extremely young, like teenagers, suffer on the other end of the spectrum there and uh larger point though here being mike seems to fit right in with pretty much everyone that he's encountered over the course of this game and in the dark i feel like he would in any situation where he's in there at final tribal council be someone that people would consider voting for i i'm running through that I am I'm sure there are people who are not thrilled with some of the decisions he's made or some of the conclusions that he's drawn that ended up resulting in their game coming to a more abrupt end than they would have liked and I wouldn't be blown away to see Mike end up as a losing finalist if he does end up making it to final tribal council but the extent to which I feel like Mike is kind of being written off is something that is a a bridge too far for me at this point. I feel like Mike is at the very least in there with a shot. And for the record, again, 
going to sound like I'm talking about the edit, but I'm really not. That's just your ears playing tricks on you. Of the final five, Mike has emerged as the runaway leader in confessionals. Now that Omer is off the table, Dre is off the table, High is off the table. A lot of these bigger players and characters have been eliminated recently. Uh, Mike has, according to the source that I saw, 50 confessionals at this point, and the next highest is Marianne at 37. And it is far, far, far more balanced for the record than virtually any other finale in Survivor history, I'm going to guess, in terms of the confessional count among those still remaining in the game. I have done zero research uh, into the statistics along those lines, but I'm very comfortable putting that kind of proclamation out there. This is at least one of the most balanced groups of finalists we've ever seen. And so uh, I feel like Mike, just by virtue of that, is in a position where no one should be shocked to see him potentially win here. And furthermore, I feel like anyone who gets there to the finals against a combination of Jonathan and Romeo is probably a lock to win based on what we've seen to this point. So I don't know necessarily how he would do against either of Marianne or Lindsay or potentially uh, both of them, but I do feel like it would be pretty crazy to rule out uh, a Mike win. And so I was hoping to be able to go this whole podcast without having to stop or edit anything, but I really need to clear my throat and drink some water because I've been talking for uh, 27-ish consecutive minutes at this point. So I will uh, break that vow that I made to myself all of half an hour ago and momentarily pause and be right back before we dive into the others. Okay, I'm back. Uh, So we just talked about Mike. I guess let's now talk about... Lindsay Uh, and unrelated to anything Lindsay has done within the game and I'm actually kind of deeply embarrassed that this is the case for me I realized that I still don't know if Lindsay is spelled with an E or an A is it S-E-Y or S-A-Y and at this point I feel like it's too late to learn I'm gonna find out and surprise myself on finale night which way that ends up going but it made me wonder if you know you want to name your child Lindsay with either an EY or an AY what pushes you in either particular direction there uh, in situations where they're not being named for someone else and this is not a joke at all on my part if you have a child named Lindsay that is not named for someone else and presumably thus spelled uh, the same way that that initial person spelled it. Like, how did you decide between EY or AY? Because I feel like that's one of the all-time kind of naming coin flip situations, and I would love to know how at least one person chose which route to go there. But uh, that might be a bit of a digression for a Survivor Finale podcast at this point. Lindsay, the player, I... At this point, I don't think it's super likely she wins by any stretch, and I certainly understand why the aforementioned Stephen Fishback has had her kind of pegged as the first person eliminated in the finale for a while, where she's kind of a little more under the radar than the rest, uh, and no one's going to be like too devastated if she goes out relatively early into the finale, but... After the way Erica was edited last season, I think it would be crazy to completely discount Lindsay here. And more to the point, and once again, it might sound like I'm talking about the edit, but I'm really not. And furthermore, never had, again, less faith in myself or anyone else when it comes to allowing the edit to influence how we think things are going to go for people within the game. But I did, did look up the confessional accounts just out of curiosity and uh Lindsay has really been coming on strong she she was certainly quiet during the middle there when her team was winning pretty much every challenge uh but over these last four weeks she has had uh if my math is correct here 21 confessionals uh and it's got to be I, I don't have the exact breakdown uh written out here but 
got to be very close to the one of the confessional leaders over the last month or so at this point. And furthermore, she might be the only person that has gone this entire season, as far as I can tell, without seeming, at least on TV, to be like rubbing anyone the wrong way or being out of the loop strategically. From what I remember, maybe I'm overlooking uh, an instance or two where that was indeed the case, but based on what I have seen to this point, I do not feel comfortable ruling Lindsay out from being potentially in the mix to win here tomorrow night. Uh, And I would also add, by the way, unlike what I said earlier about Omer, Hi, Drea, Shan, unless things change pretty drastically for Lindsay in the finale, if we live in a world where Lindsay is potentially going to be invited back for a future season, and we may or may not live in that world, but if we do, she would potentially be my number one pick, maybe. That might be overstating it, which is very unlike me, but from the last two seasons, I feel like out of pretty much everyone who is conceivably like in the potential mix to return she would be someone i would feel the best about in terms of people not being paranoid that Lindsay is out to backstab them or that Lindsay isn't gonna pull her weight or that Lindsay is an unreliable ally for whatever reason you want to come up with. It seems like while the cat is very much out of the bag for a lot of the other people I could see being invited back to return, I hope we live in a world where Lindsay is in consideration to come back for a future season. And I feel like the only cat that's out of the bag for Lindsay is that she's trustworthy and awesome and good at the challenges and uh, fun to be around. So uh, calling my shot early that... If Lindsay does not end up winning on Wednesday, winning on Wednesday night, uh, she might be my number one pick out of people from 41 and 42 to come back and win a future season. Uh, and in no small part, by the way, due to her status as a New Jerseyan, I brought this up kind of joking, but not really in a very early podcast uh, at the beginning of this season. It's incredible that the New Jerseyans on this cast stay crushing it. Uh, You know, New Jersey, at least for the last seven, eight years or so, uh, probably started right around the Tony 1.0 era, has just endlessly crushed every opportunity they've had on Survivor. And Lindsay and Mike, by the way, uh, both making it to the finale, both being in there with a shot at winning really boggles even my mind as someone who was trying to point this sort of thing out early on. Uh, It's surpassed even my wildest expectations on this season. And I'm sure the same uh, is being said about the Canadians in the cast as well. But I feel like New Jersey is kind of in a separate category, like in a separate category uh, where We actually talked a little about this last week with our guest, Jordan Parhar, who is himself Canadian, and I asked him if he thought Canadians had any sort of inherent edge on Survivor, and he said no. I disagree. I I do think Canadians kind of have an edge, because Canadians are far more kind of just hardwired culturally than Americans are to be just really nice to people. It seems like to me, maybe I'm being stereotypical there or whatever, but I, I I do think there is something to the idea that Canadians could just kind of have an inherent edge uh, along those lines on Survivor the same way Mormons, uh, it seems like, have historically done very strong work, at least socially, on Survivor. But New Jersey, in my gut, feels like kind of the opposite end of that spectrum no offense to the New Jerseyans out there but like if you told me in 2013 2014 whenever the ball kind of got rolling here or just before that point that one particular U.S. state is about to totally dominate the next several years close to a decade 
of Survivor, which state do you think it is? I'm truly not sure if New Jersey would have been in my top 40 guesses, but maybe there's something to it from the New Jersey point of view, where it's like, in my mind, it may border on brashness, and that might be an unfair characterization by me uh, and my whatever perceptions I have garnered over the years about people from New Jersey, which I'm now realizing are probably largely formed by watching The Sopranos, uh, which may be a little unfair, but (laughs) point is, I think New Jerseyans may just be authentic uh, and obviously painting with a very wide brush here. I'm hashtag not all New Jerseyans, but I, maybe there's something to that, that the New Jerseyans just come off as more honest in like ways that benefit them in survivor, even in situations where they're not necessarily being super honest, but the same way uh, people have said about like Sandra in the past, who I don't believe is from New Jersey, but like, people know where they stand with Sandra and there's something to be said for that. And maybe New Jersey has that secret sauce that is just highly effective on survivor. So we'll see. Maybe there is certainly also a possibility that we've only seen, I don't know, 10 or so people from New Jersey play over that stretch. And this is just a complete fluke outlier anomaly. And everything I've said for the last few minutes is totally untrue, but uh, I'm I'm seeing a lot of New Jerseyans place very highly on Survivor season. So next time I'm setting up a Survivor draft board, I'm going to be ranking everyone and then taking all the people from New Jersey and moving them up at least five spots. And I would advise you, listener, to do the same. All right. Uh, let's move on, I suppose. And I don't know at this point, how much necessarily even really needs to be said uh, about these other two. I think most are probably on board that it is pretty unlikely to go either of their ways, but they could certainly play pretty interesting roles within the finale. Uh, Let's begin with Jonathan, and it very much seems like we are entering the massive obstacle course phase of the immunity challenge scene uh, now that we have really hit the end game here. And that seems like pretty good news for Jonathan. At the same time, we saw last season, uh, very notably, as far as I'm concerned, that final five immunity challenge really just came down to the Easter egg hunt advantage being super overpowered and that could easily happen to Jonathan here uh, this season as well. So this could go very quickly from a challenge in which he has an enormous edge against the field into one uh, much like what we saw with Ricard last season where he has to work very hard to even come close to the person who gets that advantage. And furthermore, maybe they'll tone down the extent to which that advantage is meaningful after seeing what an impact it had on the immunity situation last season. And frankly, if we show up and this final five immunity challenge advantage is like drastically reduced, I think that could tell us something about what the producers really thought about Erica uh, winning that season. But, also very much on the table in my mind that we show up and the challenge is just as uh, the advantage for the challenge is just as important as it was. And Jonathan, if he doesn't wind up being the one who gets it, uh, could have a tough obstacle <laughs> to overcome as far as that is concerned. And furthermore, I'm now realizing Jonathan's undoing could not only potentially be uh, an advantage someone else gets in a challenge, but they could just put a really hard puzzle at the end of the challenge. And I don't know how much confidence I would necessarily have uh, in seeing Jonathan knock that one out of the park too too often there. Uh, So Jonathan sticking around and potentially winning immunities, potentially not, but being, I would imagine, pretty competitive in all of the events that he gets to play in could low-key or high-key be uh, a potentially kind of compelling thing, a compelling reason, I suppose, 
for the others in the game to now feel like he's gone from a big threat to someone they actively want to keep around. Uh, I, I, I do understand that when you're in kind of like the early post-merge, you're nervous about the Jonathan type winning 10 straight challenges or whatever. I don't know how many people out there are too nervous about Jonathan taking jury votes away from them. Maybe they are. Uh, I don't know, as I said, but I could see plenty of timelines here where Jonathan is viewed kind of like a Ken McNichol type of, I want to keep this person around or like a Brad Culpepper, uh, two people that I have famously never been wrong about, uh, where I'm not worried about them taking jury votes from me. And if anything, leaving them in the game to prevent the people I actually want to eliminate from winning immunity necklaces and saving themselves, I uh, could be the best thing I could ask for. So we may now kind of ironically, or perhaps unironically, I'm not a hundred percent confident if that word is appropriate in this context, but Jonathan could go from the biggest threat in the game to one of the most valued people to keep around as far as the more legitimate kind of winner contenders might be concerned at this point. So uh, we'll see what becomes of that. And certainly they may be saying to themselves, Hey, Jonathan just lost final five immunity in situations where he does. So let's take him out. We've had this narrative going for a long time that Jonathan's someone we can't afford to let get too close to uh, an end game potentially. So wouldn't be blown away by any stretch if Jonathan is at some point voted out. But I, uh, I think losing finalist is probably the most likely outcome for him at this point. And if that does end up being the case, I think for the first time in my life, I might mosey on over to the survivor Facebook page just to watch the casuals melt down in real time. Uh, I, I think that could be an effective use of my time. So I, uh, we'll see what ends up becoming of Jonathan. He could certainly be another person in the returnee mix as well. Although I don't at the, at the risk of uh, not giving Jonathan enough credit as either a character or just kind of a, a person capable of growth in life, which is not what I'm trying to, to say here. I, uh, I feel like if he were to return to survivor, we would probably see pretty much the exact same thing again. And I, that may be something that the producers and I'm sure plenty of viewers would be interested in seeing. I just don't know that there's much to say about, Oh, what could potentially go differently for Jonathan next time? Uh, I think it would look largely the same. Uh, although maybe, you know, we, we've certainly seen over the years, many people go from being borderline clueless about survivor, which is incidentally not how I would describe Jonathan as a player, but to use like, coach as an example uh that comes to mind of like no real concept of what's going on around him you you bring him back a couple of times and they start thinking about the game in a completely different way or maybe uh sorry to the non-big brother players out there maybe we could see like a jesse goddard's esque uh renaissance from jonathan if he were to come back on a, a future season of survivor and really hammer down taking the game seriously but I don't know about that I think Jonathan may be better off uh just printing money over on CBS the challenge that would that would be my advice for him uh so let's now I think wrap things up here with Romeo uh who oh I all right I'm gonna do it and I just I'm gonna do it I'm gonna say Romeo is playing a stellar early era Sandra game. He is doing an excellent job at mitigating his threat level and making sure people don't want to vote him out and just kind of perpetually making it through to the next round. Uh, but at the same time, unlike Sandra in her early games, it does not appear that he's going to be able to make it to the end with anyone that he has any real shot of beating, uh, at least as far as I can tell right now, although maybe we'll get a, a huge surprise on uh, tomorrow night. 
and this is just I feel like a pretty good illustration of the problems with the anyone but me game that we hear so many people advocating for so strongly because of how things turned out for Sandra. Uh, the issue is, first of all, you have essentially no control whatsoever over who you end up in the end with uh, and are facing off in a jury vote against. And two, as such, you're relying pretty much 100% on the jury just being super salty towards whoever it is that you wind up with there that kind of ran the game. And neither of those things are elements that you have any degree of control over. Uh, So it's a great plan for going very far, but to convert that strategy into a win requires an enormous amount of luck uh, to even have it work out once, let alone twice uh, as someone was once fortunate enough to be able to pull off there. But I honestly feel like I'm I'm reluctant to say the hate has gone too far on Romeo because I don't think people out there hate him. I think they just recognize, okay, this is a guy who probably is not going to be in the mix to win at this point too often, and I don't need to spend a ton of time or energy focusing on him. I like what I really do, and, and I'm not being sarcastic or ironic. Again, still don't know with full certainty what irony really is in this context, but I sincerely have found myself enjoying what I've gotten to see out of Romeo over the course of this season. I do think he could have been a a really fun character in timelines where things more broke his way and he was able to exercise a bit more control over the way things uh, ended up playing out there. I, I think he's been a fun person to have on this season, even in the context of just kind of being, by comparison to most of the other people, more of a kind of background figure. Uh, Romeo has been someone that I'm happy at the very least got a chance to be out there on Survivor. Uh, And I feel like, frankly, and I know it's weird saying this in a situation where he's made it to the finale. And I don't even honestly know why I'm led to believe that this would be the case other than just my gut is telling me. It feels to me, and that's hard scientific data, that the Romeo we're seeing on Survivor 42 is probably one of the lower ends of the like hypothetical timelines for Romeo as a Survivor contestant. I feel like this is a guy who really, really could have brought it under different circumstances, and who knows? Maybe we'll show up tomorrow night, uh, and we'll see Romeo take the mask off and uh, <laughs> convert one of the most shocking wins in history. But I, uh, yeah, unfortunate in my mind that Romeo hasn't had uh, more to do this season or had more said about what he's been doing this season. Uh, it, it just seems like rough starting tribe, rough position once they hit the merge, just doing whatever he can to not get voted out. And given all of those contextual factors, I get it. Uh, so there goes Romeo. And I do think, by the way, as we saw this past week with uh, Marianne pulling in Romeo to ex- to execute a really big blindside there, just because Romeo does not appear to be someone with a ton of win equity by no means uh, should suggest that Romeo's vote is unimportant along the way here. I uh, could see Romeo potentially being like a kingmaker down the line. So we'll see what becomes of all of that. Romeo is a tough one to really predict how things are going to go and where he's going to wind up. But I do feel like probably capped at losing finalist and, frankly, maybe one of the likelier people to be in the finals, since I'm, I'm guessing people view him as pretty beatable uh, out there in the moment. Like, if Romeo's there at Final Four and doesn't win the necklace himself, I would imagine a lot of people would be inclined to take him. But we'll see how all of that plays out. I It feels like I've said that about many people over a lot of recent seasons and one way or another always find a way to be dead wrong on finale night. So we'll 
tune in and find Romeo as our fire challenge winner or <laughs> something that uh, is a bit tough to anticipate as things stand right now. But uh, yeah, there I, I don't know what what more at this point uh, really needs to be said or bears repeating about uh, Romeo and his kind of role within this game. So anything else that I want to put out there, I did uh, (laughs) stupid me. I have in my notes here. uh, I'll I'll end up saving this for the finale uh, recap podcast that we do. Once I can see the result there, I have uh, an extra bonus topic. If I ended up running really short, obviously that did not end up happening, but I have, some thoughts about just not final four fire making itself about which I also have many thoughts, but uh, about the narrative surrounding the degree to which people need to give up the necklace and put themselves into fire. Uh, I think we have gotten way out of hand with that being a, a mainstream kind of talking point. And if anyone is interested in the sneak preview of what I'm going to say, you can go back and listen to our season 41 finale podcast because uh, that whole rant is in there somewhere as well. But uh, I guess I will, now that we're getting close enough to an hour into a podcast of just one person, talking to himself uh we can we can save that for next time and get dom's input on that as well once we see what uh kind of updated dynamics there are based on whatever ends up happening on 42 but i will mini version is i think we have gone way too hard in the paint with the idea that people are such fools to not give up the necklace uh and voluntarily put themselves in fire i think it is massively overstated how much of a difference that would ever really make for anyone. I spoiler, I think pretty much only Chris Underwood is the he's the one person who had to make fire uh who has actually gone on to win the game and sure you have your Xanders and Natalies and whatever, but I, I think there's a uh and Damabate is a person who I know has been uh very vocal about this as well because of his particular situation, but I Larger point being, someday a, a super fan is going to get burned by feeling like they have to give up the necklace in a spot where they absolutely don't. And the overwhelming majority of people who have won the game in the fire making challenge era did not have to make fire to win the game. They would have just as easily won if they had just gotten the final immunity challenge necklace instead. Uh, But we'll save the deeper dive on that for next time. I think that is finally going to do it for me here. Uh, It looks to me like the recording is saved and I guess you won't even be hearing me if that's not the case so we can go ahead and forget about that i'm just kind of rambling as i try to struggle to come up with anything else that uh really needs mentioning i suppose follow me on twitter uh at colin stone if you don't already oh and furthermore matt and scally back in the mix here with the challenge all stars three i'm guessing plenty of people out there have been uh watching that as well so do give them a look and a listen Uh, If that sort of thing is your bag, baby, but I believe that is going to do it for me and we will be back after we see how all of this plays out on finale night. So very much looking forward to that. Thank you guys who whoever has ended up making it this far into a podcast of a guy basically just rambling to himself. Uh, you're doing the Lord's work out here. Listening audience. Uh, we will certainly be back. Uh, Dom and I hopefully shortly after the finale to break down whatever ends up happening there. Uh, hope you all enjoy, uh, your Wednesday evening, get yourself a nice little finale evening treat. Uh, always a, a favorite tradition of mine, still undecided thinking pizza been a while since I've had pizza. Uh, when all right we're enough that's it goodbye